Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing this lovely day? I'm excellent. How are you? Good, but I've got a confession to make. What is it? I went back to cable. After trying about eight different streaming services, I just had to do it. I'm sorry. To everyone out there who's probably wondering what the heck, but... Yeah, was it because of the customer service? (laughs) You know, so, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I want, you know, I'm an avid Astros and Rockets fan, and come to find out whether it's, um, you know, YouTube TV, Hulu, whatever other ones, Sling I've tried. I mean, there was a bunch of them, but evidently AT&T Southwest is the only one who actually broadcasts local NOA games for for our local sports teams. Obviously, you know, the Texans is you know, football, you can watch error, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had to do it. And, uh, you know, I went into Xfinity with my, uh, tail between my legs and was like, can I get another box? <laughs> and I was like, dun, dun, dun. But it was funny. Cause when I was in there, like a bunch of people were bringing back boxes. So like, mm. I don't know. It's uh but you know, when you look at it, if you, if you, if you look at the money you're spending on all the streaming services, you're almost spending more. So at least I was, and I was like, ah, well got to do it. Hey, well, if, if it's going to work for you, that's important. You know, I'm, I'm a big Astros fan myself and, uh, I found a way to make it work. Okay. Um, I won't disclose over the microphone, but, uh, let's just say I don't have to miss an Astros game. Um, uh, I mean, if, I probably should have talked to you before doing this cause now I'm on a 12 month contract and it begins, but yeah, you'll be all right. It's going to be okay. And it's, <laughs> it's probably simpler than what, what I have to do to, to catch an Astros game, but um, no kidding. That's and, funny. In fun Astros news today, they tr- or yesterday probably they they traded for a uh, another pitcher. I saw um, that from Tampa who has the ninth highest spin rate on his curveball. Lo and behold, like back when they traded the the Blue Jays when um, they got Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini. Yeah, I was like, who are these guys? And then it, I saw their curveball spin rates, and I was like, oh, okay, this is all they do is they just find people who can spin a ball really fast and then tell them how to pitch different right so this could be a this could be a bargain bin acquisition i'm i'm excited no kidding before yeah. we get into the drilling fluids world because that's what we're here for any predictions for this this upcoming season are they looking pretty good what do you think yeah I, it's a it's an anxiety riddled you know season coming <laughs> honestly like not only like this year but next year where it's like we don't know who we don't even know how the bullpen's going to totally round out because they're up against a salary cap. I don't know how much they're willing to spend. Are they going to have to unload somebody to get, mm. you know, to free up some money? Um, they're obviously not going to do any big time signings. We've right. lost Will Harris. Yes. Um, you know, I, I could go on and on, but it's all about rebuilding and, and keeping the thing going as the organization matures. Right. So, um, hmm. you know, but you could catch me in game seven of the world series and i'd probably still be freaking out so it's just uh the nerves start early because this could mean something right right no lots to look forward to and obviously you know obviously this will air afterwards but we got a big game for the texans this upcoming weekend so uh you know all is well in houston sports right now so we'll see how it goes yes we shall see (laughs) nice well uh matt something you know i wanted to get away or we talked about kind of getting away from the technical aspect and, and get more on the culture side of things and uh you know, everyone who's ever been on a rig or, you know, in the field, uh, there's always a get along factor. And, uh, you know, there's oftentimes people say, 
doesn't really matter how good of a money engineer you are. As long as you can get along with people on location, you're going to do all right. So I thought, you know, we could talk about, you know, just getting along on a rig and, and what that looks like and, and maybe some tips for all the newbies out there. What do you think? Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, Matt, who would you say on locations, you know, sort of the, the one person you want to get along with or at least impress right off the get go? Well, nothing else matters, as we know, unless it's the drilling consultant or the company man, you know. Nothing else matters unless they're if you walk in and and they look at you look at them wrong or whatever yeah. and they just say you're run off I mean that's it right right so uh the very first person you have to impress is the operator's consultant um just by his very inherent authority and personnel decision making of course um and then if you stick around the rig you need to make sure that other people can make you look good and not make your life miserable while you're out there so yeah no the 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 company rep on site is certainly the top dog he he or she has full authority to run you off without you even doing anything on the rig and so you know it's always funny because you always hear stories of oh so and so was the worst company rep and Da, da, da. When you go on a rig, you always talk to your relief. If you know, it's like, well, how's a company man, or how's a company, you know, how's a company rep, and they'll, you know, usually like, well, don't do this. They like this, but make sure you're doing that. And so there's always that little bit. But you know, knocking on that door and going into the trailer house for the first time, uh, you, you just never know what you're about to walk into. And so, do do you have any crazy stories about walking, you know, onto a rig and, and first impressions were just outrageous or? No, I mean I've actually done pretty. It did pretty well with that. I, I think it was more so like like you said the the preparatory notes like yeah. the relief being like um, when you're like after you finish your mud check and your reports in and you have like some extra time like ask him about guns. But <laughs> he's gonna really like it if you listen or ask him about NASCAR. And it's like, but you're not you don't know enough about that stuff to have a conversation. But really, yeah. you're just supposed to listen and ask questions. Um, but it's going to take you like an hour and a half to get out of there. So just work that out, but do that every day and mm-hmm. they'll like you, you know? Yeah, that's funny. I think I may have mentioned it, but uh, speaking of, of company reps, when I was on a jackup, uh, you know, I got accused of, of sort of the night coming man was in the, the, not dorm, but the room across from me and we shared the same bathroom. And he thought I had locked him out of the bathroom a couple of times in a row and he just got so upset. And, and, you know, it took a while for me to get on his good side and, and then, you know, he was complaining about one thing after the next. And, and it's, you know, you certainly got to put in a lot of effort to make sure that, that A, they trust you. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think if, if you work hard and you're outside walking with a pretty brisk pace, making it look like you're doing something of, of importance, uh, that goes a long ways. And, and, you know, for even myself, you know, coming from Canada, you know, we do different things a little differently down up there and then coming down here. Uh, you know, it, it was, I may not be able to identify with what, you know, the culture and maybe some of the activities that they like, you know, some of the sports teams that they, you know, are diehards of, but, uh, certainly, you know, at the end of the day, if you just work your butt off and, and do everything you're supposed to do and, and maybe go or and always go a little bit above and beyond, uh, that'll certainly win most company reps over. Absolutely. You know, I know, uh, one of the, one of the, um, guys working for me who does a lot of field trials and that sort of thing, he was, he was a very well reviewed mud engineer. That was kind of the reason we wanted to bring him in mm-hmm. um, for our new technology deployments. And one of the feedbacks from company men was he just never leaves the pits. They're, they're like, I don't know what he's doing, but he's always doing something. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> he was doing a great job. It wasn't just that he stood there, but um, company men really liked the idea that, like, hey, the, you know, this guy's not watching TV in the trailer or anything like that. Right. You know, and that 
brings me to another point. Um, nowadays, the amount of paperwork uh, that's required, and, and it depends on operator to operator, but, you know, for myself, coming from the roughneck background, you know, my tool pusher was always riding me. You got to be doing something. If you're standing around watching someone, I might as well not have you here because I don't pay you to stand around. So I guess, you know, for me, you know, as a mud engineer, I could spend a lot of time outside because it was back, it was the AES, FMI sort of thing. So there wasn't as much stuff to do going on inside, inside the trailer. But nowadays, I would imagine that's pretty challenging, you know, whether it's JSAs, whether it's, you know, paperwork and because it just seems like there's a lot more required inside the trailer house. So I wonder if that, you know, if that's changing because I know most company men, they want you to be outside. So I would imagine, you know, juggling that time uh, would be a little more challenging now than maybe before. I don't know. Is that, what do you, is that true or? I mean, when I worked deep water, it was definitely like, there was all this compliance stuff. There were all these other things you had to do. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and you had internet in the, in the mud lab, like you, right. you could distract yourself, you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like one, one thing I tried to discipline myself with, with all this reporting and all this other stuff was just, I would always just set a timer, take a break. And even if it was walking around for five minutes, I would go out to the pits, even if we, you know, weren't, we were just tripping or there just wasn't anything going on that I needed to be out there for. Yeah. Um, and just go walk around, be seen, check in on everybody and then go back to finish whatever report I needed to. Because I was so scared of getting lost for three hours and then being like, where have you been? Yeah. You know, big time. Well, uh, let's even back up a little further. When you show up to location, uh, and most people out there know, but what do you not do? Oh gosh. I feel like there are so many don'ts that (laughs) it's, it's more like, but, but if you break these fundamental rules, it's sort of a tell that you either don't know what you're doing or it's a sign of disrespect because you know, it's like a superstition or a, uh, you know, it's like in, in baseball, uh, you know, don't walk on the lines. Mm, yeah. It, it, it's just like, you just don't do it and everybody knows you don't do it. And if you do it, you've, you've really done something wrong. Right. Well, the first one that comes to mind for me is parking. I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. If you, if you know how to back into a stall, you're, you're already three or four steps ahead. But if you have to Austin powers that thing to back into a stall on location or an empty spot, Ooh, that's a big red flag. Right. And well, and, and my experience is, you know, I'd always be coming out, they, they're rigging up or something like that. Right. So there's all these extra people out there. Yeah. And uh, you get there and the directional guy is making up his tools and, and like, that's really the only spot to park, but you don't want to park in front of that. Right. And so you're, you're kind of, you're trying to find that awkward parking spot that's sort of out of the way, but it's not like a perfect slot. And you're like, can somebody leave so I can like fit in and not be that guy? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely been there. Parking is interesting. And then it, not only that, but it's, you know, what you come onto location with. And, you know, it's funny cause going out to West Texas, I've spent quite a few days out on the rigs out there just for, with our different customers. And, uh, you know, renting a vehicle in West Texas is always a gamble. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. So the last time, you know, of course I order, you know, just a small SUV. So I'm thinking, you know, it's not, it's, it's not going to stand out too bad. Cause a lot of people going out to the rigs with rental cars, whatever, big deal. So I get there and, you know, we go to Enterprise and it's in Carlsbad and, you know, I've got this truck lined up all good. Well, oh yeah, sorry, the person that was supposed to drop this SUV off hasn't showed up yet. Do you uh, mind taking this Jetta? And so I was like in this tiny little Jetta ripping around West Texas, sounded like a loud bumblebee and I pull up on location and of course, you know, it's, (laughs) they had, 
it was either like lunchtime or where everyone was gathered outside. And the only spot for me to park was right beside like the barbecue, the little hangout area where every, all the rig hands say. So I'm just like, well, here we go. So of course I back into this spot and they're all looking at me. And of course, you know, and I come out and then I had just gotten a new hard hat and then some new, uh, FRC, uh, shirt and, you know, so they right away knew, you know, it's, it's someone from the office yeah. or someone who really wants to come to town. Yeah. <laughs> Something goofy. Right. But, yeah. uh, yeah, you, you know, there's showing up and making sure you look the part. And, and speaking of that, I, I remember as a mud engineer getting new, you know, new gear and I would purposefully try and make it look a little weathered, whether it was your boots, scuffing them up. I remember driving over coveralls three or four times, throwing them in the wa- la- in the laundry just to get them, a, you know, a bit weathered. Um, cause you know, nothing says a worm when you come up when everything's shiny. Oh yeah. And that was, uh, I mean, that was always a funny thing to me was I, I remember in mud school, they gave us a certificate so we could go to Red Wing and get our, get, get a pair of boots. Yeah. And it was like halfway through mud school and everybody was like, don't show up with new boots. They're <laughs> like, beat them up, whatever. So I had like four weeks before I was going to go on my first rig. And so I was like trying to like you know, Hey dad, do you mean to do some yard work? Uh, like go to my parents' house and wear them while I was digging or something yeah. like, how, how do I beat these things up? Yeah. Um, just so I could, uh, blend in a little bit better. Of course I was, I was so green that I don't think it would have made any difference. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the, the hard hat thing, that was funny. Cause when I was a, when I was a technical specialist, you know, I, I, I can't remember, I switched over, but I went from being a, a, you know, regular mud engineer on a, you know, schedule and you have all the stickers all over from safety and, you know, mm. all, all that stuff. And it, it looks a little weathered. Well, those plastic hard hats also have like a two-year, three-year lifespan. I had to get a new one. And I, you know, wasn't going out to that many rigs nearly as often. So it was always that. And if you're the new guy on the rigs, you're going from rig to rig for these special technical projects. You're always the green hard hat. Yeah. And so it was just like, well... I don't know how to look like other than I'd been on enough rigs then that I could walk around just walk up to people and feel pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, I wish, I wish there was some way to blend in a little, a little yeah. more. Yeah. Blending in is, is tough. And sometimes it, you know, I remember going to a, a rig, uh, again, it was a jack up and, and most of the hands were from Mississippi and, you know, being from Canada, a, a deep Southern accent is oftentimes hard to understand, especially when you have engines and things going on around you, it's loud. And so, yeah, I would have, guys messing with me all the time and and it got to a point where i realized well if they're not messing with me maybe they don't like me so like mm. you know if, if you're new and people are jacking with you don't take it personal because a lot of times they're doing if you can take it and have thick enough skin they appreciate it. it's kind of you know and then you can wear it as a badge of honor but you know i tell you like a city boy from canada coming down you know working offshore uh it was certainly tough and you know you're obviously from houston you didn't grow up out in the country so i'm sure we can identify on a few things there but you know, having thick skin is, is, is well received, especially going out to a rig. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's one of those, yeah, they, they sort of push your buttons and, and see how you respond. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you can laugh with them, uh, it, it's a little different, but, but, uh, you got to play along. Yeah, exactly. Funny. Speaking of that, I, when I had went to, to, I went to the FMI mud school, which was in Grandview years ago. And, uh, the guys out there bugged me cause I, you know, I dressed differently. So yeah, whatever. And, uh, they bugged me about getting some cowboy boots. And of course, at the time I didn't know that cowboy boots came with steel toes. And so I said, well, the only way I'll ever buy cowboy boots is if they're steel toed. They're like, all right, well, let's go to Cavender's. Next thing you know, we're in Fort Worth and they're, they're 
picking out the most obnoxious looking cowboy boots, steel toes. <laughs> and at that point, I was just like, whatever, like get me mm. the, whatever, pick ones out and I'll wear them. And so they were, you know, they had on the bottom, they were brown, but then they had this like bright, bright red, uh, like on the top of the boot with this like big cross. So they were like, I don't know if they were like Jesus boots or something, <laughs> but like, so I had to wear those. And so, uh, yeah, I went out to a rig and, you know, again, brand new boots. Uh, they were bright red and I, I my coveralls were too big. So I tucked them in and, um, fortunately they didn't last too long. As soon as I got a little old base mud on them, they fell apart. But yeah, just, you know, again, just right away when you go to a rig, you're, you're getting looked at and whether it's your boots, your, your glasses, you know, what kind of sticker you have on your hard hat, whatever. But, um, so aside from the, the company, man, uh, who else would you recommend that we get along with when we're out there as a money engineer? Well, I mean, we know first and foremost, your Derek hand can make or break you, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's that classic, their Derek hands can be pretty smart and capable and, and know what to do without asking. And then there's the ones that can know what not to do. What, what, what they, they'll just wait to be told and kind of let things sort of fall apart. Yeah. And uh, let you chase them down and let them know what they missed. Uh, oh, yeah. And they can be fairly intentional about that. And it, so, sometimes they just don't like you and sometimes maybe you need to make friends earlier but uh that's definitely a, a challenge i experienced was like okay go go make nice with the derek hand like immediately after i've introduced myself to the company man yeah and don't wear your boots in the company man's trailer that was good point that was the other thing that hammered it in my head in mud school um check in with the company man they say okay welcome and then you you need to go walk around find the derek hand and be as nice as you possibly can Right. Yeah. No. And, and for those who aren't out there who aren't familiar, the Derek hand is the one that, you know, as mud engineers, uh, we relay orders and they don't work directly for the mud engineer. They obviously work for the rig contractor, but they're, you know, there's a kind of a dotted line between you and the Derek hand. And, and if you need anything mixed, any fluid transfers, they're the ones that actually execute the job. Uh, as mud engineers, we're most of the time, we're not allowed to go out there and cut sacks and move hoses and this and that. So um, they're, they're your right hand man. And so, uh, or, or lady, whoever's out there, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, making sure that you get along with them and show interest in, in what they do. Cause no one wants to be bossed around. And so one thing as a mud engineer and coming from the rig hand side of things, there was nothing like someone coming on location and, and knowing that I had to help them if they just bossed me around. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I could either do a good job and make you look good, or I could do a crappy job and, and, and then you're, scratching your head and then the company reps giving you you know a a bunch of headache because you're not able to get me to do what you need so uh yeah the Derek hand show them some love um what a lot of folks uh Derek hands appreciated when i was out there was you know educating them because it's one thing to tell someone to do something but unless they actually know why they're doing it to them it's just another task so you know i would lead into okay we're mixing this and here's why and here's the depth and here's some operational things maybe here's some subsurface stuff to get you understanding you know why are we adding six products today and only two products tomorrow sort of educating them and then that then that got them interested in the operations and actually made them feel like they're part of the program versus just a worker bee sure i, I mean i think anytime you can help somebody realize where their contribution lies and then uh, you know a lot of derricans aspire to be mud engineers um, yeah. they see that as, as a possible career move, if not, you know, to move up to driller or, or what have you. Um, a lot of them, a lot of them think about that as an option. And so they want to know a little bit. Um, and, uh, so there's, there's just a ton as far as keeping them engaged and involved. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and and not only that, but there you're in. You're going to be working so closely with them. You're there. You're in to the rest of the rig crew. Yeah. Um, Good point. You know, if if they're willing to speak, hey, that that mud engineer is okay. Then you're probably going to be okay with everybody else. I, I remember I was on a rig. And the crew didn't really speak any English. I spoke pretty good Spanish at the time, which um, I can't say the same now. But um, but I would I would just try, and and we had a couple of conversations. And he really appreciated that I was trying to speak in his native language, and um, you know we kind of joked around. And so one day everybody's hanging out in the in the mud shack, but like there's several guys sitting in there getting water, or whatever. It was a pretty hot day, and he starts talking to them in Spanish. Um, about man, this mud engineer is like such a moron, and he's going on and on, and, and I'm just I'm like taking a funnel of this or something like with my back kind of you know, and I'm hearing this, and then uh, kind of jokingly I turn around and said something in Spanish to no, to Juan, no and like they all burst out laughing, you know, and and from then on we all got along really well. Nice, yeah, you kind of broke the ice there. That's yeah. funny. I've heard stories like that, like you know this. <laughs> They get, you know, an American going to another country thinking they don't speak the native language. Well, you know, there's people out there who, you know, his passion is learning other languages and it just so happens. Yeah, there's a bunch of, you know, chatter and then all of a sudden you chime in with their language, native language. And and right away, it's like, OK, the tension's gone. You're one of us. Right. So and that's the thing is, is trying to get yourself to be like one of them. And, 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 you know, by them, I mean, part of the rig crew. Um, And Matt, you know, what are some of the things that either you've done or you've seen ways that we can kind of win the rig hands over, especially Derek hands? So I think, well, Derek hands particularly, and it, you know, it goes beyond that, but, uh, food is, <laughs> is an incredible, incredible entry into shoot. If you buy me food, I'll probably be, want to be your friend. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I thought it was funny there. We had a, I had a Derek hand Dwayne and he would come by every morning and like knock on the trailer and just ask for orange juice. <laughs> and he, he was very, she, oh, well, you know, and, and like, finally I, I was I don't want to say fed up, but it was when I was like, Dwayne, here's a gallon. Like, yeah. just, you're fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, y'all's go to oil field. And like, that guy took such good care of us. And all he wanted was some orange juice. And I think I gave him a couple of tally books when I started out my hitch. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, tally books are a good one. Yeah. Like, I, I like to call it rig currency. But if you have some hard hat stickers and a few tally books, I mean, rig hands, it's fine. They'll, they'll take any kind of freebie you'll give them. And, and I, don't, <laughs> I don't mean that kind of, like, I don't know what they do with it, but they seem so happy that, you know, if you come up with a shirt or a hat or a koozie, um, like that's like gold. But it is even a hard hat sticker. They love that stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, we always try and make sure we give our guys at AES some of that stuff to pass around. Right. And and I can relate. I mean, again, working uh, again at you know, back as a roughneck. You know, we it would be so. It was literally so. When I was working in Canada, we were staying a lot of times. We'd stay in hotels, and not, we worked all over Alberta, but. You know, if you're close enough to town, you'd stay in a hotel. Well, you're getting a per diem. And so that per diem was enough to either was to pay for, you know, your your daily requirements for staying uh, in the hotel and your food. And you got that. It was a constant rate. Right. So, you know, if you could you, what you would do is we'd find the cheapest hotel and then we would eat the cheapest food. So mm-hmm. like I remember living off hot dog buns and tuna because I was just the cheapest thing I could eat. So then you would get a service hand to come on location like a lot something big back home was always people bring out kfc mm. and uh yeah it was just like every it was like a party you know we'd all go in the doghouse and there would just be this buffet of fried chicken and whatever else and it literally made our day and uh so you know in remembering that as a, you know as a derrick hand uh or as a sorry a mud engineer 
you know, relaying that and, and giving back to, you know, the folks that I could totally identify with. And, uh, you know, back, you know, when energy drinks were still a thing and now they're pretty outlawed, but, you know, bringing energy drinks or, you know, Gatorade, um, and just anything to, to show your appreciation and something that can help them get by. Cause a lot of times, maybe now it's a little different. Cause I know, uh, a lot of operators will have water and stuff like that. But when I was a, when I was a rig hand, like there was nothing like we yeah. didn't get stuff. We could just go. It was like anything you had, you, you bought. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's and so, changed a lot. Yeah, it seems as though, because like I'll go to locations now and, and there'll be pallets of water. And I'm like, wow, this is nice. Like yeah, I, I mean, didn't have that one. Who knew they didn't want us to get, a, a, you know, heat exhaustion, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's so true. And I think, uh, you know, it was funny. Like I always appreciated, you know, some Louisiana guy you're out on the rig with and he's cooking every day yeah and you know normally it's it's kind of you know a lot of cajun food was sort of getting by figuring out how to make you know something that might not be as good taste really good with spices and everything and so like Mm -hmm. just always smelled so good always cooking something and everybody was like it was like this guy is bulletproof like i (laughs) i don't i don't know what he could do to get run off at this stage yeah um yeah they depend on that like whether it's the gumbo or etouffee um you know whatever else and and that was always my downfall it's like I know how to cook, you know, a good chicken breast with broccoli and rice, but other than that, so I always had, you know, do that, go the extra mile with like tally books and stickers and, you know, t-shirts and stuff like that. But uh, for all the Cajuns out there who've, who've I've been on a rig with, who's, who've cooked, uh, much appreciated. I'm sure all the rig hands and company men out there, they absolutely love you and you know that. So keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and, and so you have that. And then I remember actually, I, when I was working up in Canada, I was staying in, in uh, Hinton, I believe in a hotel yeah, yeah. and uh, driving out to the rig every day. And it was a man camp, uh, you know, kind of set up, which we've talked about. Um, and it was the company man basically gave me a list of what I was to show up with every morning. <laughs> so I had to stop at this gas station and it was like, it wasn't, it was the newspaper, yeah. but it was like six copies of the Calgary sun or there, there were these tabloids like, yeah. you know, where it was just, it was so funny, but it was like, I want this every day, blah, blah. And it was sort of like this ultimatum. It sort of, it felt like, but it wasn't like I'm asking you for a bunch of money or I'm not asking, you know, just these nominal things that I can't get. If you show up with these, we're on good terms. Yeah. So, uh, that was just kind of a, a funny thing. And, and I guess I'll add, you know, we value that, you know, at AES, our guys will actually, we have a barbecue trailer and, um, I mean, it's not on other folks do this too, but, mm-hmm. um, they'll go out to a rig and, and cook for the whole crew, try and get, maybe hit a couple of rigs in a day. Yeah. Um, but it goes a really long way. It does. And, and for all the AES folks out there, you know, if, if, if swag just grew on trees, we'd give it to everybody, but this stuff does cost money. So, you know, if you've got a nice t-shirt out there or a hat and, Maybe you haven't got one in a while. It's, you know, it's, 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 our intent is pure. So believe me, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's good to get, you know, everyone some swag every once in a while. But, uh, if it was just, you know, of abundance and the novelty would wear off. So, cause I've had folks reach out to me, you know, after listening to the podcast, like, Hey, you know, can you send me this and that? And that we do our best. So, you know, bear with us, but, uh, something else, you know, so, you know, we've talked about Derek hands, obviously company men, uh, someone else who, you know, I try to really get close with when i was out there with their directional drillers yeah um, you know because they're the ones in the doghouse uh all the time they're talking to the, the drillers and then you know now being on the office side of things i didn't realize how close uh drilling engineers and the directional and mwd folks work daily yeah and so 
you know, they have a lot of influence. It's like, how are the slides? Oh, the slides are good. Or they say, oh, the slides are, you know, they're not good. Uh, the mud seems to be jacking with the slides because they don't deal with us as much on a day to day. So it's making sure, you know, if, if that driller or if that directional driller knows you're doing the best job to maintain good mud, um, getting along with them, you know, and, and I would, I would ask like, Hey, how's your pickup slack off? Hey, how's the trip, you know, or how are connections? Are they getting tight? And just having that constant communication with the directional driller, uh, that also goes a long ways as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I mean, I, I think it's, Bear in mind how often you talk to somebody certainly affects, you know, that offhand comment or, or what have you. Oh, the mud engineer isn't staying on top of this. It's like, oh, shoot, this is going to come back around. Yeah. Um, and, and then, look, we, I mean, we, we've also talked about the mysterious, you know, let's be honest, and directional guys come on anytime and we can talk about this. But it does feel like if there's a tool issue, the playbook is blame the mud and we'll figure <laughs> out if there's anything going on. Yeah. Um, and so it gets us scrambling where if, if, if we can have a better relationship, hopefully uh, we can take that a different direction and, and kind of keep the heat off of everybody. Oh yeah. You know, it's funny and I have an example with that and I'm going to be as very broad as I can, but uh, you know, one of the operators has a directional company, obviously uh, issues with tools and, you know, and I've got to give credit for the people out there on this specific rig, but we've managed to keep our solids low for a very long time. The systems have been out there forever. And, uh, yeah, you know, things haven't changed. Low graphs are less than 8%, all good. Well, all of a sudden they have some tool issues. And, 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 and then at the safety meeting in front of everyone, the directional folks are, you know, questioning the mud mm. and oh, well, we need to get our solids down. And like, literally there's no room to get our solids down. Like <laughs> right. they are Cadillac. and so. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like you said, the playbook is often, you know, well, we got to point a finger at least to somebody. Yeah. Um, but again, if you can make, you know, strategically make a good relationship with these folks uh, and they trust you, it, they're less likely to to put blame. And, yeah. and or if they do, then they'll certainly consult with you first. They're, they're more likely to pick up the phone. Hey, mud engineer, how's your mud looking versus just calling the coming man and saying, hey, this mud is you know, jacked up. We need yeah. to do something. So it's, it goes a long ways and, and people talk, you know what I mean? So sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I wanted to share this story. I think we're going, um, so well, solids control hands. It was always interesting because you wanted uh, to have yes. a relationship with them. <laughs> and I just always like, it was one of the harder ones to get along with it. And a lot of rigs I was on, they turned over pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and so it was always a little, a little difficult, but, but food and that sort of thing, just because especially as a mud engineer, Stand on top of screens. Um, you know, they're typically pretty tired a lot because their schedule's a little abnormal. And so anytime you can cut them a break, I think it, it you know, buys you something. Um, and then I've been on the other side where I worked solids control and we were doing drive ups. And uh, so we just drive by once, once or twice a week, we drive up to location. I was riding along with somebody that's part of my training. And uh, we'd go, you know, grease the centrifuge, make sure everything was, was in good shape. Um, and uh, um, I, I was, I came by with, you know, some stuff for the rig crew, uh, one time. And as we're pulling off location, he's like, don't ever do that. And I was like, I felt really bad. I was trying to help the guy out and I thought it would make us as a company look good. And he, I was like, Oh, you know what, what's wrong? He said, look, these guys, the rig crew really likes this stuff. They really appreciate it to the point where they will intentionally pack off a centrifuge <laughs> or disable a panel because they know if you come to fix something, well, you're unpacking the centrifuge. You'll also have drinks and other things. <laughs> no he's kidding. like, I just, I don't do that anymore. I, he's like, I ordered a pizza once. And then the next day I was out there again. And 
Um, I figured it out. Yeah, no, that's true. "Ah, Some people will take advantage of that. Interesting. So, uh, that was, that was good old East Texas for you. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that goes, that brings another point. Like you can't, there's, there's a fine line. You can get in good and, you know, do everything you can and get them food and stuff like that. But there's a point where they get too comfortable. And Mm. so you also want to make sure that these Mm. folks earn it. You don't just want to voluntarily do it. Cause if you do that, then at the end of the day, these are all, or a lot of them are, you know, alpha males, alpha <laughs> females. They're, they're going to try and walk on you if they can. So, so be mindful of that. Don't, don't be that guy. Yeah, it's the diabolical game of, of mind chess. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Um, Matt, you know, so again, there's drillers. We've got Derek hands, Saul's control hands. Um, is there anyone else that, that I've missed that, that we work, you know, obviously we work with everyone on location, but uh Anyone else that we really need to get in good with, or at least someone that we need to consider when we're out on location? Um, I, I mean, I think the the safety guy, mm. um, oh, if there is one, point. guy or gal, I, I think, uh, you know, what's interesting is, I mean, that's a tough job. Um, and I think it's a frustrating job. It's kind of, it's kind of like if you watch The Office, like HR, you know, Toby, where everybody's <laughs> yeah. just kind of like, all right, what else are we going to be told we can't do? Um, how are you going to slow us down today? Um, and you know, their job is to make sure everybody's safe on the rig and they have, it may not even be coming from them, but it's a rule they have to enforce. Uh, and so if, if you can be forthcoming with them, if you can be very forward, Hey, what do you need? How can I help you? What, you know, what do you need to audit? Like I'll, I'll help you or let's walk around together and see if there's anything we can make better around here. Um, I think it's just very well received and, and kind of, um, you know, doesn't the, you know, normally the safety guy is, Oh shoot, he's out here. Or she's out here. And what what am I going to, cause it's their job to find something. And so they're going to, you yeah. know, they're going to find something. And then my boss is going to be told that they found something and, you know, headaches all around. So it's just, um, you know, that's a tough job. It is. And, and, and I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that, uh, something that I've been in, involved with a lot more heavily now than I was working with a certain operator is, you know, every morning, and, and most operators have, you know, a morning ops call, but, you know, some operators now have put so much emphasis on uh, HSC that they actually have an on-site HSA rep out there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and they can literally, and I mean, everyone has, you know, the right to stop a job if it, if they seem, if it seems unsafe, but these safety reps will do it even with, on things that you would never even imagine. So with that being said, uh, yeah, getting along with them and, and, you know, making sure that you are, uh, you're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that they're, you're meeting their expectations. And, you know, and because what happens is a lot of times these, these safety reps out on location, uh, they have a direct line of communication with, you know, whether it's the superintendents, uh, you know, the drilling engineers. And so in the morning calls, if they're talking about things and, oh yeah, you know, went into the mud engineer's lab again and, and didn't have his whatever PPE ready or, you know, the labels on the wall or the MSDS sheets ready and this and that. Uh, it can certainly make us or any company for that matter, uh, make it look like they're not willing to, to, to follow the expectations for HSC. So uh, that being said, you know, that's another one. If, if you have an HSC rep out on location, uh, make sure you're, you're getting along with them uh, and that you guys build a relationship that way, instead of him or her complaining or voicing their opinion on how you know unsafe you are, uh, r- but rather, you know, you two consult and come up with a solution 
that way it doesn't trickle you know outside the rig because a lot of the stuff can be solved on the rig but if, if you're not getting along or talking on a regular basis then he or she's going to voice their concern not to you but to someone within that organization and then in the office it can you know just it, it can grow into something that's unnecessary so uh you know again that that was a very good point matt because you know obviously hsc right now is and, and it's going to continue to evolve and just become more demanding so yeah um i i mean i i think otherwise like you said anybody that shows up on location and and sometimes it can be tricky i i remember uh the first uh enterlite job we had you know we have a diesel truck of course come out and it was a guy who'd never hauled diesel for the oil field before and you know he didn't know what a jsa was it was one of those oh wow like it, it was just he needed his hand held and quite honestly i everybody in the rig was busy and i don't think they had a lot of sympathy for the guy but you could tell he was nervous <laughs> and so you know we went through some of the safety stuff together and i asked him you know i want to make sure he was comfortable and you know really all he had to do is get his truck spotted on location and and do a transfer but then, of course, he opens up his truck and doesn't have the right fitting. And I was just like, I, I was like, it wouldn't shock me if to like send a message since it's a new vendor, they'd turn him around or whatever. Um, and so I went and talked to the rig crew and they actually pulled one off a frack tank, um, you know, got him lined up. We got everything offloaded. They went and put it back and we kind of we kind of just talked to him and said, hey, you know, you need to have three of every fitting because you're going to lose two of them. And just just kind of went through all that stuff, and you could tell he was really appreciative. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like, okay, we're all here to make this work. Um, and so that was just a random, you know, thing I was involved in. And you know, there's obviously different ways to react to that. Yeah. Um, and and I think that guy learned his lesson just as much as, um, you know, we hope that he needed to without having to face you know dire consequences where he might lose his job if he comes back with a full load. You know. Right. Um, right. And that's you know in in most definitely, especially now in out in West Texas and in throughout the oil field, but uh, there's a lot of diversity, and with that comes language barriers. So uh, whether it's you know an MWD hand or whether it's whoever mud logger, even driller, like wherever uh, you know, there's that language barrier. So you know, make an effort to to communicate, and just because they don't maybe speak the same language, don't ever uh, treat them any differently. Yeah. Um, and, and I can say that you know it's 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 important. Um, you know they they're already out there probably intimidated. Uh, and so just do whatever you can. Or, you know, if, if you're writing out a procedure, maybe take a little extra time and, and make some keywords that are in their native language. Uh, that, that certainly goes a long way because, you know, you want everyone trying and, and making, making it feel like they're part of, part of the, the team. Yeah. You know, so. I've got a great story about that, actually. Okay. Um, so when I was working in Indonesia, I was, I was an offshore rig. We we're doing a workover and they couldn't get a derrick. So we were doing, we had a snubbing unit. Oh, yeah. So to trip, you have to lay down every single, um, just like 18,000 foot well we're working over offshore. And, uh, anyway, so when you're tripping, it's going to take forever. Right. And so I would go into the conference room and like watch movies on my computer or whatever. Um, and one time a bunch of guys come in, a bunch of Indonesians and, and this rig eight expatriates americans brits a canadian um and then i think about 130 indonesians uh and so it was just a very different uh type of work situation but there was a guy who was a school teacher and uh he was doing english classes like he worked on the rig crew he used to be a school teacher and he was doing i think they were paying him on the side to do english classes when they were off um off tower and uh so 
anyways, I happened to be in the room and he was like, oh, we have a native English speaker here. And uh, so they were, you know, we would, they got to do their like practice conversations and they were asking me, you know, why do you say it this way? And I was, I was trying my best to explain to them, uh, you know, grammar rules and stuff that I would, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, well, I never thought about it. It just sounds funny, you know? Sure. But, but anyways, we went through all that. Um, and then I would try and spend time with, uh, you know, key personnel, like in the tea shack or whatever, you know, you say, Hey, we need to do a crane lift. And then it was like, well, let's go get some tea first. So like, all right, I'll go with you. So you don't wander off and we, you know, the boat's <laughs> yeah. going to leave. If, and, and so there was a lot of, well, so what would happen after that one class where I said, look, if, if you want to practice English, just come by and, and we can do a practice conversation. It's like one night, it's really late. It's the middle of the night and the pits are, you know, on the, on the platform and I'm, it's dark. I'm kind of huddled down somewhere, I think trying to pull a sample and somebody just kind of appears out of nowhere and says, hello, and I, <laughs> hello. And he goes, do you have a brother or a sister? And I was like, <laughs> I have a sister. He's like, okay, thank you. And walked away. And I was like, oh, he must've been in the English class. No way. Well, it turned out, sure. Like I'd gotten it. Like there were a few of those like random interactions. But the other thing was I'd kind of become as like one, it was like a guy from Louisiana and a few other people that they couldn't really under deep East Texas guy. They asked me if he was actually speaking English. Right. Yeah. So I was one of the few who didn't have a strong enough English accent of some kind that like they could understand. No so they would always be asking me what to do. And I was like, I'm not your boss. Like, but, um, I would, I'd start asking for crane lifts and I didn't know because of all their conversation and everything. One time, um, we're doing a gravel pack. We're loading all this equipment from two vessels and it stopped. And, um, and, uh, the, the guy from that service company comes like screaming at me, like, what the heck are you doing? Shutting down my lifts. Like, you know, all this, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, it turned out I'd gone and asked the crane operator, like, hey, when you get some time, can we move this pump? And he dropped everything and was like, uh, I'll help that guy. And so wow. because he'd been in this English class and everything, yeah. it was basically like the main operation was completely shut down while we lifted a Wilden pump off the deck. <laughs> and it was just, it was so funny, but it, it, it was basically to the point where other service companies were coming to me like, Hey, could you ask them to do this? Wow. Because I, I kind of got to cut in line not because I was asking and I was trying to be like, don't do that. Let's focus on the operation. Sure. But, um, anyways, that was one of my like cross cultural experiences where it was like, man, I'm kind of, I'm in good with these guys. Like yeah. I could do this. No, that's a good feeling. You know, certainly, uh, you know, appreciate the stories and, you know, we could probably go on forever, but you know, we want to respect people's times. Uh, you know, as well as ours, but, uh, you know, if anyone out there has any interesting stories about, you know, anything we're talking about, we really invite it. And and if, you know, whatever, if you got a good one, maybe we'll share it on the next podcast, but, uh, I know everyone has their own, uh, experiences with getting along with certain folks or stories of things you've done for someone. Then all of a sudden they're your best friend and and whatever else. But uh, again, we encourage the feedback. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes for our email. Um, hit us up on LinkedIn if you can't. And uh, again, we appreciate everyone's support. Uh, share it, like it, and um, yeah. With that being said, Matt, you got anything else? No, I look forward to hearing some stories. Perfect. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.